Erev Tov, everybody. Welcome to a special edition of our Parashat Shavua class. Tonight, Shi'ur is sponsored by the Al-Malik family, family in memory of their father, grandfather, Moshe Al-Malik Bar Ya'esh, one of the founders and pillars of the Moroccan community of Toronto, a dear friend to many of us. I have very, very fond memories of him throughout my life, and there is no question that he, there no doubt that he left a very, very amazing legacy, a legacy of greatness that is being followed by his wonderful children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. May the words of Torah that we say tonight raise his neshama to the upper echelon of Shamaim in the heavens. He's sitting near the Kisei Kavod amongst all the other tzaddikim and watching over us. And may all the zechuyot that he gained and merited through this world protect all of Kal Israel. Amen. Tonight we are studying Parashat Va'era. There is no question that one of the themes of this week's parasha is that of emuna, is that of belief in God. In fact, one can argue that the theme of the entire Torah is emuna, is faith. As it states by the Aseret HaDibrot, the Ten Commandments, And Hashem said, all these things saying, Anochi Hashem Elokecha, says the famous Noam Elimelech. Hashem said all the words of the Torah so that people will know one thing. Anochi Hashem Elokecha. I am Hashem, your God. In various ways and expressions, the Torah repeats over and over again. Mitzrayim ki ani Hashem. Egypt, Mitzrayim will know that I am God. Ba'avur teda ki en kamoni bechol ha'aretz. So that you shall know that no one in the world compares to me. In fact, the name of this week's parasha, Va'era, our rabbis tell us is Rashi Tevot, is an acronym for Ani Rishon Va'ani Aharon. Hashem says, I am first and I am last. This is the title, this is the theme of this week's parasha, and this is what I want to speak to you tonight about, Bezrat Hashem. The Torah tells us, that Moshe Rabbeinu was 80 years old and Aharon was 83 years old when they spoke to Paro, warning him about the upcoming plagues that were going to damage his nation and damage his country physically, emotionally, and mentally. Why is it relevant for us to know their ages? <clears throat> Rav Shimon Schwab, Zecher Tzadik Libracha, explains that their ages were given to prove to Paro that he can't do anything against God's will. <clears throat> Let me explain. Paro's decrees against the Jewish nation changed over time. Paro's first decree against Am Israel was that of slavery. Torah tells us, in last week's parasha, they made the lives of the Jewish people bitter due to slavery. The second decree was, if a newborn child is male, then kill him, throw him into the Nile. One day the sorcerers told Paro that the savior of the Jewish nation was born today and we don't know whether he's Egyptian or an Israelite. So Paro for the third time decreed, Every child that is born, including the Egyptian boys, 
should be tossed into the Nile to drown. This was the third phase of the Gezerot of Paro. The Midrash in Shemot Rabbah says that Miriam HaNeviyah was born when the first decree went into effect. That's why it says, Vaymareru et Chayehem. And he, they embittered their lives. This is the reason why she's called Miriam from the name, from the word bitter, Mar. Aharon Kohen was born in the era of the second decree. He was called Aharon from the word Herayon. Herayon means pregnancy because the order of that time was against pregnancies of the Jewish people killing newborn males. And last but certainly not least is Moshe. Moshe was born during the third decree. He was named Moshe, which means drawn out of the water. The Torah tells us, Vatikra Shemo Moshe, Bitya called Moshe Rabenu Moshe. Why? Kimin Hamai Meshitiu. Because I drew him out of the Nile. And it alludes to the Gezera of the time to throw all newborn children into the Nile. We are told their ages to hint to Paro that his decrees didn't achieve anything. 80 years ago, you decreed that all children should be thrown into the Nile. 83 years ago, you decreed that all midwives should kill the male children, the male Jewish children. And now, two people who were born in those times, Aharon and Moshe, stand before you, demanding that you free the Jews from Egypt. Recognize the fact, Paro, that they survived and they are standing in front of you and you cannot go against Hashem's will. Therefore, we request in Hashem's name that you free the Jewish nation, that you should oblige because you are not in charge. Hashem is in charge. The parasha begins that Elohim spoke with Moshe and said, Ani Hashem, I am Hashem. What is the pasuk saying over here? Why is Hashem's name referred to in two different ways? Vaydaber Elohim El Moshe, using the name Elohim, and then Vayomer Elav Ani Hashem Yudke Vavke, the tetragrammic name of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Why the two different names? The Shach explains that Elohim is Gematria eighty-six, and the final words of the pasuk Ani Hashem Ani Yudke Vavke is the Gematria. The numerical value, 87. The gematriav Ani Hashem is one more. Says the Shach, he explains that Elohim expresses God's name of harsh justice, which is the root of dinim, the hardships that people go through in life. Each person in their way. We want everything to be berachamim. We want things to be with Hashem's compassion, without any tzarot. How can we accomplish that? Hashem adds Aleph. He adds one more, one more number. And then, all of a sudden, Elohim, the name of harsh justice, becomes Ani Hashem, becomes Hashem's name for compassion and for Rahamim, and everything becomes good. To elaborate this idea, we must know, when a person is going through difficult times, he needs to believe, he must believe deep down inside, that it didn't happen by chance. Everything happens through Hashem's hashkaha. When one truly believes that whatever he's going through comes from the one Hashem, that Aleph, this adds one more to the gematria of Elohim. It's no longer 86. It's 87. 
It turns into Ani Hashem, Ani Yud Vavke. Everything becomes a name of Rachamim. Everything becomes compassionate and good. In other words, the belief that everything is from Hashem and that things didn't happen by chance, that emunah that a person instills in himself sweetens the dinim and makes everything seem good. Therefore, the solution to all of life's problems is to believe that all situations were arranged by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That turns everything around. Everything becomes Ani Hashem, Hashem's compassion and love. At the end of last week's parasha, Paro decreed that the Jewish nation must gather straw and still produce the identical sum of bricks. And Moshe Rabbeinu complained, Lama hara'ota, lama zeh? Complained to God, why did you do bad to this nation? Hashem's response, beginning of this week's parasha, With these words, Hashem taught Moshe how he could turn the dinim, how he can turn the strict judgment of and hardships into sweetness. He told him that if you add one more unto Elohim, which means to believe that everything and have the emunah that all difficulties in life are from God, the result will be Ani Hashem, Hashem's compassion, and everything will be good. Truth is, this is a wonderful solution for all of life's problems and troubles. Remember that it is from God, and then it will turn around and become good. The question still remains, though, in a very big one. Why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu create Dinim in the first place? Hashem could have given us perfect chesed without requiring us to sweeten the judgment, to sweeten the matters with our emunah. Just give us straight up chesed. Our rabbis tell us that the answer is Hashem wanted us to turn the situations around on our own so that we will be happy with what we receive. Otherwise, we will be too embarrassed to receive so much good from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Gemara relates that once it was this Apikorus who asked Rabbi Akiva, whose deeds are better, that of God or that of man? And Rabbi Akiva understood that he was asking why are we required to circumcise ourselves? Why is there a mitzvah brit milah? It implies that God's creation is imperfect. If God's deeds are better than man, then we should just stay the way we are without having to do a brit milah. Isn't Hashem's deeds a way that God created man better? So Rabbi Akiva didn't even answer with words. He simply asked to bring a servant, to bring a servant, have a, bring a loaf of bread. And the loaves of bread were made by man. And he showed the Apikorus and says, can you eat kernels of wheat? No, but you could eat this bread. Rabbi Akiva was teaching that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants man himself to bring the rectification. So we won't be embarrassed to receive the goodness. It should not be Nahama de Chisufa. It should not be the bread like poor people who are ashamed to look at their benefactor that provides him with bread to eat. That's not the point of it. There was a famous... Tana, in the times of the Mishnah, his name was Nahum Ish Gamzu. You may have heard of him. A lot of great stories brought down in Masechet Ta'anit of Nahum Ish Gamzu. Why is he called Nahum Ish Gamzu? He's called with this title because he would always say, Gamzu Letova. This too is for the good. But if you think about it, always had this question, that the most important word, Letova, is missing in his name. His name translates as Nahum, the man who says also this, Nahum Gamzu, which doesn't really mean anything. 
his name should be Nahum Ish Gamzu Letova. Nahum, the man who says, this too is for the good. Why, where's the word Letova? Why isn't he called Nahum Ish Gamzu Letova? So based on what we said, it makes a lot of sense. The word Gam teaches us to add on. Because Nahum would add on to the name Elohim one more. He would add one Aleph, one number, so it became the Gematria of Ani Hashem. So his name, Nahum Ish Gamzu, Nahum, the man who added one more, who was also Gam, Gam is also, and that turned Elohim into Ani Hashem. Perhaps we can also explain that he would always say Gamzu, this too is from Hashem. And because of that belief, everything became Letova. The fact that Nahum was a Gamzu, and he realized and he had the emuna inside of him, everything he saw in life was that of Letova. How many, many great, great Chachamim who wrote about their lives and the troubles in their lives, but they would admit and say that if they didn't have complete emuna inside of them, if they didn't believe that HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Hashkacha is over every detail, they would be totally lost from the world. And we're talking about great, great Chachamim and Mekubalim. They would be, they, they admit they would be depressed, that they would be broken due to all the hardships and distress, the poverty, the pogroms, the exiles, the shame that they endured. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu helped them. And they don't get distressed over these troubles. Because when a person truly believes that there's nothing in the world other than God, all the dinim, all the hardships are sweetened in the wake of his emunah. Even without shouting to Hashem in prayer, with just emunah and bitahon, everything will appear to be a chesed immediately. A person may be having financial problems. The bank may want to take away his house, God forbid. The grocer isn't permitting him to buy food on credit anymore. He raises his eyes to Shamaim, to the heavens. He believes that his situation was planned purposely by God. That belief solves his problems. Somehow things will work out. He won't lose his house. He will have the money for the grocer and all of his other needs. It was an amazing story I read once by a rav in Yerushalayim who supports his very large family in dealing with antique sefarim and antique Jewish books. On the night before his daughter's wedding, he was sitting by the table with his wife and his children and he said, I need $25,000 for tomorrow's wedding. And I have no idea how I will get it. But I'm not worried, he told his family. Hashem put me in this situation and Hashem will pull me out of this situation. Somehow Hashem will help. While he was talking, this man knocked on the door, an antique dealer of rare, rare books as well. And he asked this rabbi if he had any books for sale. So the rabbi replied, he says, listen, I have a copy of the Rambam's Mishneh Torah, the Rambam's most famous work. It's a 300-year-old copy. There are many, many Talmudic notes in the margin. It's obvious that someone great, a great scholar owned this, but I didn't figure out who was the owner of this Rambam, but there's a lot of great notes on the margin. And the truth is, without knowing who this scholar was, the set doesn't have much of a retail value. In fact, I offered it to someone for $50 and he declined. So the antique dealer perused the sefer and he became excited. He goes, you know what? I think I might know who the original owner was. And if I'm correct, it's worth a lot of money. 
Can I bring it to my home to check? So the rabbi said, no problem. You can bring it home and you can try to sell it too. You give me five-sixths of the sale and you can have one-sixth for yourself if you manage to find the buyer. So the dealer discovered that this set of Rambam had once belonged to the famous Peri Hadash, one of the great commentators on Halakha. And the proof is because the Chidushim, the novelties written in the margin of that Rambam are the same that he wrote in his own book. And this dealer sold it for $30,000 on an auction. Uh, the dealers kept one-fifth, one-sixth of it, $5,000, and five-sixths of the amount went to the rabbi, $25,000. The exact amount needed for his daughter's wedding that was held later that day. Because the rabbi believed that his financial, his tight financial state was arranged by Hashem and he trusted in Hashem. This turned everything around and he had enough money for his daughter's wedding. This whole idea is hinted in this week's Perashah. Vidatem ki ani Hashem elokechem you shall know that I am Hashem, your God, who took you out under the distress of Egypt. But you can read the Pasuk differently, our rabbis tell us. You can pause and make a change in the, in the way you enunciate the wording. When you believe in God, then Hashem will save you from your, from your troubles. Amazing segula that's brought down in the Midrash. This that Emuna has is so precious to Akadosh Baruch Hu, created the world. Our forefathers, our Avot Akedoshim, were redeemed from Mitzrayim because they had Emuna. The Jewish nation believed. And similarly, each person earns his own personal salvation when he has Emunam and he believes that any situation he finds himself in was planned and arranged by God. And last week's Perashah, Paro increased the workload after Moshe Rabbeinu asked that he free the Jewish people. The Parashah, again, like we mentioned, ends with Moshe screaming to Hashem, Lama Lama Why do you do bad to this nation? And the rabbis tell us that Moshe Rabbeinu was saying to God that the Jewish nation needs Emunah to be saved from Egypt. They have to have it. But now that the workload became harder, this weakened their Emunah, and therefore, Lama Shelachtani. Why do you send me if they don't have the Emunah? They can't be freed from Egypt if they don't have that faith. Let us go a little bit deeper in an effort to make this concept of Emunah more of a reality. There was once a doctor who asked a great, great Hasidic Rebbe, what is your occupation? What do you do for a living? And the rabbi answered the doctor, I build bridges. The doctor looked at the rabbi with the most amazed look on his face, a startled look. This, the doctor didn't know what a Hasidic Rebbe was all about, but one thing he knew for certain, this man was not into construction. He did not look like a construction worker. He had this long black coat. He had a long white beard, a hat. This rabbi was not into building and construction. So what do you mean I build bridges? And the rabbi explained, I'm trying to build a bridge that will connect my brain to my heart. There's a very long distance between the brain and the heart. 
Tzadikim used to say that the distance between the brain and the heart is further than Shamayim Ba'aretz, further than heaven and earth. The brain can know something, but it takes a lot of effort until these ideas affect the heart. And that was the primary occupation of these tzaddikim. There was once a celebrated teacher and philosopher who taught his students how important it is to eat with proper etiquette. And sometime later, those same students saw the teacher eating in a very unrefined manner. And the students asked him about this. Why are you eating like this? I thought you were supposed to eat with etiquette and put derecheretz. And he answered, but when I teach you geometry, do I turn into a triangle? That was his response. In other words, he was saying that knowledge doesn't obligate one's deeds. But the Torah, the pathway of Torah is to build bridges until the wisdom of the Torah affects one's emotions and one's activities. This is something that we've spoken about at length in our Monday night Mishle class. One of the primary places where a bridge is necessary to connect the mind and the heart is that of Emunah. Because it is very possible to be an expert in Emunah intellectually. But we could still be worried. We could still be concerned. We have a high level of anxiety. We can be upset. And people will ask you, don't you know that everything is for the good? Don't you know it's all for the best? Why are you so worried? The answer is that the Emunah is in your mind, which is a good thing, but it's not the be-all, end-all. It hasn't yet reached the Lev. It hasn't reached the heart yet. When Emunah enters the heart, one's life will change entirely. He will live with Hashem all the time. He will trust in Hashem sincerely. It's an entirely different experience than simply intellectual Emunah. The Arizal tells us that Paro, Melech Mitzrayim, Paro spells the word Ha'orif. It's the same letters, just rearranged. Ha'orif. Ha'orif means the neck. The neck is what stands between the brain and the heart. This represents Paro's attempt to create a blockade, a separation, a barrier between the Emunah of the intellect and the Emunah of the heart. The purpose of the miracles of Yetziat Mitzrayim was to help us overcome this burial, to allow the Emunah to penetrate our being. And this is accomplished by constant review. The idea, the method of building a bridge to carry the Emunah of the brain down to the heart is to constantly review Emunah. Just think about what happened in Egypt. Imagine you were living there at that time as a Jew who witnessed the ten plagues. They saw the miracle of the blood, Makat Dam. The plague lasted a week. According to another opinion, the plague lasted three weeks. During this time, the Jews were joyously discussing the wonders and the miracles that Hashem was performing them. Can you imagine what was taking place on their Shabbat table? They were relating, did you see the, the Egyptian across the street? I saw him turn on his hose and it turned into blood. Oh, that guy went to drink water ah, and the blood spilled all over his shirt. They were joking. They saw it. This was the conversation piece. This was their thoughts throughout the whole plague. And even after the plague passed, they were still speaking about the miracles. Their emunah and Hashem was reinforced over and over and over again. Then came the frogs. Once again, everyone spoke about the wonders and the miracles that God performed. And this helped their emunah go from the brain to the heart. And for each one of the ten makot, this was the process. And until today, we remember these miracles. And this reinforces our awareness of Hashem. 
The words Ani Hashem, I am Hashem, is repeated several times in this week's parasha. I'm not going to go through them for you tonight, but trust me, they're there. Why? Because the purpose of Yetziat Mitzrayim, the purpose of the exodus of Egypt, was to help people become aware of God. The Hafez Chaim told the following mashal, the following parable. A very wealthy person needed to travel. So he hired someone to take care of his home while he was going to be away. In particular, this wealthy man asked the hired worker to to take care of his exotic bird that he owned and he loved very much. And he said, I'm writing down exactly what you need to do. This is what he told the worker. Read the note twice every day so you will not, so you will not fail. Told him, there's nothing to worry about. You hired me. I'm going to do exactly what you say. I promise you. Go enjoy your vacation. And again, he looked at him and goes, but don't forget about the bird. Most important is the bird. He says, I guarantee you, you're not going to be disappointed. I know how to follow orders. You can travel ah, with tranquility. Enjoy yourself. The wealthy man, he trusted him. And throughout the whole business trip, he didn't even think about his home. After a month, he comes back home and he immediately realizes that no one was taking care of his estate. And in panic, he ran up to his room to see his exotic bird. And he saw the bird, Kaddish al-Israel, dead on the floor, rotting on its side. Couldn't believe it. He found his employee, the guy he hired, and said, Why didn't you take care of my estate? You promised me you were going to take care. Why didn't you feed my bird? It died from neglect. It died of starvation. What happened? The worker says, Hey, calm down. Calm down, my master. Why are you shouting? Why are you shouting? I know you just came back from your trip. You must be tired. I want you to know I did exactly as you told me to do. I read the list twice every day. That's what I did. The wealthy man looks at him. Hamor, you idiot. My intention was not that you just read the list and the notes every day. You have to read it and keep what it says. I don't gain anything from you reading the note if you don't put it into practice. The Hafez Chaim explains the Nimshal. The Torah tells us to remember Yetziat Mitzrayim twice every day. We do it whenever we read Kiryat Shema in the morning and at night. But the purpose of the mitzvah isn't to just remember Yetziat Mitzrayim and not to do anything with it. The memory of the Exodus should remind us that Hashem loves us, that Hashem performs miracles for us, and He runs the world with Hashkacha Pratit. If we mention twice daily that Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim, but do not think about the lessons this implies, then we are similar to that person who read the note. And that's all he did. He read the note, but didn't follow through. The mashal of the Hafez Chaim is a beautiful one. It's very inspiring. It is worth noting, however, that the mashal isn't exactly like the nimshal. What we learn from the parable isn't like the parable, because reading a note without application doesn't accomplish anything at all. But when a person actually mentions Yetziat Mitzrayim, when a person says that pasuk at the end of Shema, and the miracles that occurred, and he studies the, 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 the parasha of the week, it will always affect his neshama to believe in Hashem. Let me explain. Each mitzvah has its own segula. You've heard this word before, segula. What is a segula? A segula is something that occurs, though we can't explain it rationally. For example, the mitzvah of tzitzit that men are commanded to wear is conducive 
for guarding one's eyes. To Segula, we say in also in Kriyat Shema, You will have tzitzit, so you will not stray after your heart and after your eyes. We can't explain how this happens logically. We don't know how. But when one wears tzitzit, it's easy. It becomes easier for a person to watch his eyes. The Torah also tells us, You shall give honor to the Torah scholars and you shall fear Hashem. Harav Achida writes that fearing HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the reward given to people who honor Torah scholars. Because honoring Talmidei Chachamim, it's conducive, it's mesugal for attaining Yirat Shema in fear of heaven. There doesn't need to be a rational explanation. The reward and the result of honoring Torah scholars is that of one is one that attains Yirat Shamayim. Similarly, what we say over here, the mitzvah of remembering Yetziat Mitzrayim of the exodus of Egypt is mesugal, is conducive for emunah, for faith. In other words, it isn't only logical that when one remembers the miracles of Yetziat Mitzrayim, his emunah will be strengthened. It's also a segula, far more ideal. However, is when a person doesn't just rely on the segula, but more than that, he focuses on the lessons of yet, uh, that Yetziat Mitzrayim teaches us. And when one does so, that emunah will be all the more reinforced. Emunah is acquired through repetition. Twice daily, we mention Yetziat Mitzrayim. On the first night of Pesach, two nights for people living in Chuslaris like us, we discuss the miracles of the exodus of Egypt. And there are several other mitzvot that we do to remind us of Yetziat Mitzrayim. Every Friday night of Kiddush, we say Zechel Yetziat Mitzrayim. These constant reminders help us keep the memory alive and they train us to think in the mode of Emunah. The purpose isn't only to remember, but also to bridge the gap between mind and soul and acquire Emunah deep in ourselves. When a person acquires Emunah, especially the Emunah that's in the heart that we're aiming and striving for, he will simultaneously have Shalva, tranquility. The world, Rabotai, is filled with many hardships and worries. It's very, very hard to maintain one's level of uh, calmness during these times. But when one remembers that everything is from God and everything is for the good, one can always remain happy and calm and serene. It's written in this week's Perashah, samti pedut ben ami uben amecha lemachar And I will make a redemption ben ami uben amecha between my nation and your nation. Lemachar Tomorrow there will be this sign. Beautiful perush I saw explaining this pasuk. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, What is the difference between my nation and your nation? Ben Ami uben Amecha. My nation and the Gentiles. The difference is, Lemachar. Lemachar yeh Tomorrow. What's tomorrow? My nation knows that there will be a tomorrow. The Gentiles, they don't think about that. When one knows and believes truly, and has full-fledged emunah that there is a tomorrow, then he knows that the problems of today will turn around and will be much better. He knows that there is a future world when we're going to see that everything that happened to him was for a purpose. These 
are among the thoughts that help us maintain an optimistic and calm attitude in life, in our day-to-day life. People once asked the Hafez Chaim's son-in-law, what were you most impressed by from your illustrious father-in-law? There must be something. He was such a great tzaddik. So they asked the son-in-law, what made him so special? And he answered, I was impressed by his yeshuv hadat. I was impressed by his serenity. Even during the hardest times, and they were very hard times, the Chafetz Chaim never lost his peace of mind. In some of the tefilot of the Hoshanot, in some of the texts that uh, some Jews say, the Hoshanot write on Sukkot, Hoshana dagan medleket, save grain from fire, chita mehagav, wheat from locust, nefesh mi be'ala, man from confusion. And says the Hafez Chaim famously, he showed how each line in this prayer describes the primary problem. Wheat suffers from locust. Grain can be consumed in fire. It, say, it seems, therefore, the man's main worry in life, his primary dis- destruction, is that of behala, is that of confusion. Says the Hafez Chaim, this is one thing that Paro knew. He knew this. And therefore, when the Jews began speaking about leaving and they wanted to go and celebrate three days Yom Tov in the desert, what did he say? Nirpim atem nirpim. You are becoming lazy. We will no longer give you straw. But you have to fill the same quota of bricks. Paro wanted them to work harder and therefore he decreed that the nation would need to gather straw for the brick production on their own. One of the Chachamim asked, Paro could have simply said, you need to produce more bricks. Why, why did he require them to collect straw on their own? Just tell him, you have to produce more bricks. And the answer is, Paro wanted to destroy their peace of mind. He knew that if he would ask them to make more bricks, they would work harder and supply it. So Paro decreed that they have to collect the straw as well. Collecting straw isn't an easy job. It means searching for each strand of straw. It's a, a meticulous, nerve-wracking occupation. Paro wanted Klal Yisrael to be involved in these matters because he understood that it would completely destroy his peace of mind and their bitachon in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I read an amazing story of a successful businessman from Bnei Brak that needed to go to Haifa to attend some very important meetings. Generally, he would drive there, but since his his car broke, he found someone who was driving to Haifa, and he went along with him. And they arrived slightly late at the first appointment, so he rushed out of the car and began walking into the office building where he had the appointment. And as he walked, he checked to see if if he had everything he needed for the meeting, and it was at that point that he realized, while rushing out of the car, that he left his briefcase with all the papers he needed for the meeting in the car. And without his briefcase, there was no purpose in the meeting whatsoever. So he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to call my friend who brought me here. I'm going to ask him to bring back my briefcase. And then he realized that he also left his cell phone in the car. The phone number of the driver was was in the cell phone. 
he realized that he would now have to wait till nighttime when his ride will pick him up to return him to Bnei Brak. In the meanwhile, he had to spend was what he considered to be a total wasted day in Haifa. On their return trip, the businessman took his phone and listened to the messages that accumulated throughout the day. Most of the messages was from his son's rabbi in school. Message number one, please call me back immediately. This is your son's Rebbe. We're on a class trip. Message number two, call me back. It's urgent. Message number three, we are hiking through the desert. We've lost your son a few hours ago. We don't know where he is. Call back. Message number four, this time from Hatzalah. Where are you? We need to contact you. Message number five, from the rabbi, your son fell from one of the mountains. He's wounded. I'm with him. We're going to the hospital. Message number six, again from the rabbi. We took care of your son in the hospital. I'm now taking him home. Message number seven from his wife. Our son just came home. He's going to be fine. And she told him what happened and that her son was out of danger. The businessman couldn't believe it. He sank into his seat. He breathed deeply. He realized that if he would have had his telephone, his cell phone with him, he would have been a nervous wreck all day. He would be filled with anxiety, worried to no end. He wouldn't be able to attend the meetings anyway because of peace of mind would be totally shattered. When he left behind his suitcase and telephone, what did he think to himself? He thought it was a problem. Oh my God, I just ruined the meeting. I just ruined my day. When it was actually for his benefit, Hashem was sparing him the anxiety and the worry. When one has emunah, he knows from the onset that everything is for his benefit. That this man was disappointed the entire day because he thought he wasted a day of work until he signed the kindness Hashem performed for him. We can be wise from the start and know that everything is certain for our benefit. One last story and we'll conclude. There was once a respected man from Eretz Israel who came to Muncie to raise funds for his son's upcoming wedding. And his friend who lives in Muncie, New York, offered to drive him around to help raise the money. One day, as the two friends were walking around the main street in Muncie, they saw a very wealthy person. And uh, the resident of Muncie told uh, his friend from Israel, he goes, don't even bother going to that man. You won't get anything from him. But the Jew from Eretz Israel, he wanted to at least try. He spoke with the wealthy man for a few moments, explained his needs. The wealthy man replied, I don't have any money on me. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The man from Eretz Israel said, please give me your phone number so maybe I can set up an appointment. And the man said, no, 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 no. Don't call me. You know what? Give me your number and I'll call you. So when the Jew from Eretz Israel heard this, he figured nothing was going to come out of it like his friend had forewarned him in advance. But nevertheless, he gave him his phone number, hoped for the best. On the following day, the two friends were again driving around uh, Muncie collecting tzedakah. At one point, the friend told uh, the, the man from Eretz Yisrael, listen, I have to go home now. We can continue in a couple of hours. So the guy said, thank you so much for driving me around. I've done so much. For, uh, you've done so much for me. Uh, I'm going to go to the Bet Midrash, I'm going to learn some Torah, and I'll see you later on in the day. Accidentally, this Jew from Eretz Israel again forgot his cell phone in the car. And when they returned to the car, the Jew from Eretz Israel looked at his cell phone and saw that someone with an uh, anonymous caller ID phone number 
had tried to call him. He listened to the message. Lo and behold, it was the wealthy person he met the day before. He kept his word. He called him back. But since the phone wasn't with him, he lost the opportunity. So at first, the Jew from Eretz Yisrael, the Meshulach, was extremely upset. He goes, I can't believe what I did. Because of my negligence, this caused me to lose out on this meeting. I shouldn't have left my phone in the car. But, he said, I have emunah that's all for the best. He braced himself with emunah bitachon. He says, if this is what happened, it's certainly for the best. There's no question. And days passed, and it was time for this man to return back to Eretz Israel. And his friend offered him to drive him to the airport after Shahrit. By Shahrit, in the Bet Knesset, they were surprised to see the wealthy man. And after Shachrit, the Meshulach went over to him and reminded him who he was. Remember me, I met you on the street. I gave you my number. I received your voice message, but I couldn't call you back. The wealthy man immediately took out his checkbook and wrote a check for $10,000. And he told the Jew from Eretz Israel, I have a court case today. Please save the entire Tehillim for me. It's such an important court case. And now the Jew from Eretz Israel understood why he had to miss the phone call. If he would have answered the call that day, he would have received maybe a hundred, two hundred, three hundred dollars at the best. But Hashem arranged for them to meet on the day of a court case when the wealthy man needed extra zechuyot, he needed extra merits, and he gave him ten thousand dollars of tzedakah. And this story, this story taught the Meshulach yet another lesson. On his last day, in Mansi, when he's about to go back to Eretz HaKodesh to celebrate the wedding of his son, the Meshulach was disappointed that he didn't raise enough sufficient money for the, for the Hatuna. But then, in the last few moments that he was in the city, he received his salvation. This teaches us we should not be worried about the future. When we remember that HaKadosh Baruch Hu Rabotai is leading us with compassion and with kindness, we can live all of our days with tranquility and, yes, even happiness. In the end, everything will work out. Gam zu letoba. Bezrat Hashem, we find ourselves now in tough times and we need the help. We need the assistance of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. People are struggling. People are suffering from anxiety, from depression. Today, another, another announcement by the government that just... Just made the workload so much more difficult. Things just seem more and more bleak as we go around and we go along day after day after day in this lockdown. But we have faith. The faith, though, cannot just remain in the mind. The faith must enter the heart. And with that, we need to build a bridge. Each one of us needs to build bridges. And we do that through constant reminders and constant review, constant study of the wonders and miracles that HaKadosh Baruch Hu performs for us. And the more we remind ourselves, the more we study, the more we preach these ideas to our children and our family, and of course to ourselves, the faster that bridge will be rebuilt, the faster we will see salvation, the faster our emunah will be of a complete emunah. Va'era el Avraham, el Yitzchak, el Yaakov, el Shakai. Va'era va'ani rishon, va'ani acharon. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the first and the last. No one before him, no one after him. Bezrat Hashem, we shall see that salvation through our constant efforts of emunah and we will be merit 
tesi the Mashiach Tzidkenu, Bimena, Bimenu, Amen, Kenyi Ratzon. Have a wonderful night, everyone.